And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Uh, hopefully you guys had a great weekend. Uh, big show today. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Big show today. I was joined by my good friend, Baylor Cook. Um, it's always great talking to him. And we went through our list of... Uh, we, we did our year-end award show. So we, we, we handed out awards... Uh, in six, six different categories in the world of politics. Man of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, uh, Victory of the Year, Defeat of the Year, and Dumbass of the Year. So, and, uh, yeah, we, we both had uh, excellent lists. <laughs> Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Baylor, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and you want to quit, or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. All their stuff is fantastic. It's delicious. I'm chiefing on some right now. It's really great. They have any kind of battery you need, any kind of mod, tanks, coils, whatever you need for your vape setup, they have. Um, They have physical locations in Perrysburg and Holland, Ohio. If you're in the area, check them out in person. If not, go to PremierVaporAndLounge.com. That is PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Dot com. They will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. Come on, guys. It's the new year. Uh, quit smoking. I mean, everybody says they're going to quit smoking uh, as their New Year's revolution resolutions. You guys never actually do it. It's time to quit. Come on, guys. Vaping is way better, way safer, way healthier. Start vaping. Stop smoking. PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Check them out. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and you want to get involved, check us out over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. You can c- contribute monthly there, and there's cool incentives if you choose to do so. All right. Big show. Been looking forward to this all week. It was a good one. Here's my chat with Baylor Cook. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm here with Baylor Cook. Baylor, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show, my brother. Thank you for having me. It's been so long since we've been able to get together. It's been a crazy six months or so, but I'm excited to be back. Heck yeah, man. I'm glad to have you back. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. It is the uh, We're recording here on uh, Monday the 31st. is the last podcast of the year. Uh, so we are doing our year-end award show. We'll each be giving out six year-end awards in the world of politics. Um, I'm really excited. The categories are man of the year or woman of the year, obviously. Um, uh, Let's see what else. I've got a uh, rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, victory of the year, defeat of the year, and my favorite category, dumbass of the year. So let's start right right at the top, Baylor. Your man of the year, take it away. All right, my man of the year is actually a woman of the year. Year, I'm going to go with Nikki Haley. Look, Nikki Haley is not new to politics by any stretch of the imagination. And maybe you can even make the argument that 2018 wasn't the year which she came to, uh, which she started to come to national prominence, but she burst on the scene in a big way this year. This was Nikki Haley's year. If Donald Trump wasn't running for re-election in 2020, we would see Nikki Haley running for the Republican Party. This was Nikki Haley was the woman of the year. No questions asked. 
That's not a bad pick. I mean, and she also is uh, retiring as uh, uh, ambassador to the UN. Um, yeah. In like a positive fashion, which is, uh, I think she's the only one that's left the Trump administration on a on a on a solid footing. I mean, it's usually doesn't end well for these people, but she went in, did a job for two years, did a pretty good job, and left, and uh, kind of in the Calvin Coolidge model, right? Just go do your job and leave. <laughs> you know, no, exactly, no drama, nothing like that. Wait until 2024. I'm telling you, man. 2024, we're going to see Nikki Haley running for president. That's why she left on a good note. I think she probably disagreed with some of the stuff the Trump administration was doing. But nevertheless, 2024, we're seeing Nikki Haley. And if she she keeps the same national steam up that she has now, keeps that same momentum, there's going to be no stopping her. She's an incredible political actor. Right. And she also did something else, uh, you know, by accident, I suppose, with, with her leaving her post as UN ambassador. Um, mm-hmm. the Trump administration has actually downgraded that position to a sub-cabinet level, um, which is great mm-hmm. because the UN is uh, pointless. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, they might as well just burn the building down or just let it sink into the East River or something because it's just a, you know, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, just like Mos Eisley. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, if she, she's diminishing the uh, influence of her former position and the UN in general, which is a, a, just a, a nice little side note. My man of the year, yep. um, I had to give it to Brett Kavanaugh, the now associate Amen. justice of the Supreme Court. Um, obviously, you know, I, I think he'll be a pretty good justice. It's not really about that. I mean, out of Trump's list, he had a, a great list of 20 or 30 candidates. I, I would have picked probably 10 of them above Kavanaugh. But it's not even about that seat. It's obviously an important seat on, on the Supreme Court as they all are, their lifetime appointments. <clears throat> but this wasn't about that victory. It was about what kind of country you want to live in going forward. This was a victory for common sense, for the presumption of innocence. Uh, if if Brett Kavanaugh, and if Trump didn't have the balls to stand by Brett Kavanaugh, and if Brett Kavanaugh didn't handle himself the way he did, we could, we could be heading down a bad road in this country, man. Yeah, we definitely could. And that's the thing that really struck me the most about the Kavanaugh hearing was that he came came out in an era in which it's basically like you're accused of something and if you're accused of something then therefore you're guilty of it no 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 trial no nothing no investigation and then you go away and Brett Kavanaugh was one of the first people to say no I didn't do this and just stand up and be like if you're going to make a claim show me the evidence and so it it was just it was amazing to see somebody come out and kind of stand up against that because look uh, the Me Too movement has done some good it's exposed some huge massive creeps that need to be put in jail forever. I'll say that. But at the same time, like we have to, have to, have to cling to the presumption of innocence, because if we don't, then there's no point in our judicial system whatsoever. Totally agree. And I think those are both good choices. Uh, Nikki Haley, Brett Kavanaugh, can't go wrong either way. Who was your rookie of the year? So... Rookie of the year have to give it have to give a shout out to Baker Mayfield. I mean Browns quarterback. I know it's not politics, but breaking the uh, most TD passes by a rookie quarterback that's your actual rookie of the year. But I'm a football guy. But outside of that, well, I mean I'm you still know, I'm, I'm kind of mad I'm at sh- Baker to be honest. I'm a Steelers fan, so I mean he, I mean man, just like one one fewer interceptions last night. I mean that was I haven't been so frustrated watching football in my entire life. I mean that was just yep. man. And another I know we're both football fans and a lot of the the audience are football fans too. And I've been complaining yeah. about the refs screwing over uh, the Steelers all year, but yeah. it reached a, a new low yesterday. <laughs> they got screwed over by refs from 500 miles away. They got screwed over in Pittsburgh by refs in Maryland because the Browns yep. uh, should have had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. The refs 
blow the play dead for absolutely no reason. The Browns lose the game. The Steelers miss the playoffs. I'm still butthurt about it. Anyway, rookie of the year. Sorry about that. Well, well, we'll see. You think you were in pain. Last night I was actually at the Titans game. I'm surprised I'm still not waterlogged. Oh I was gosh. one sitting out in the poncho in 30-degree weather watching, just hoping that we wouldn't make a mistake and that uh, our quarterback, because Mariota had to sit out, quote-unquote, had to. We're not sure about that. But nevertheless, hoping that we could come back and get a victory and just at the end of the game losing by a couple scores. It was just heartbreaking. And six penalties these on one some of the last six plays by the titans it was just insane you know you, you got to hand it to the colts though they've won like eight straight games also shout out you know we're both very we're both very active on twitter do you follow captain andrew luck on twitter have, i don't think have so. you heard about this i have not no hit me with it okay well he andrew luck is like he doesn't have social media and he just doesn't mm-hmm. he just doesn't even play those games so this guy, and yeah. he, he kind of, he's got the, like, the stupid neck beard and shit. Like, he looks terrible. <laughs> he looks like a Civil War, like a Civil War general or something. So somebody made... So he, he's like me. He's got terrible facial <laughs> yeah. hair. Okay, got it. So somebody made a, a parody account of Andrew Luck, uh, Captain Andrew Luck, as if he were, like, a 1860s, <laughs> like, Union military leader or whatever. And, like, every tweet starts with, like, Dear Mother. Like, he's writing letters home <laughs> from... Uh, to his mother from you know it'll be like the titan men are approaching our garrison and you know it's, it's totally and everybody follow captain andrew luck on twitter wow this is really going that off the absolutely anyway uh rookie of the year. Sorry, 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 sorry. I took it there that's, that's my that's my bad man that's my bad rookie of the year <laughs> so okay rookie of the year you're gonna hate me but i have to have to have to i'm trying to decide between two so i want to hear yours first because i'm trying to decide between two but i want to hear what you have to say all right i'm gonna go with dan crenshaw the uh congressman elect from texas um he is a a solid conservative he's a constitutionalist Mm -hmm. he's a war veteran uh he lost his eye in afghanistan obviously he's the dude with the eye patch and he handled getting attacked by saturday night live masterfully i mean he he oh my gosh and respect and he really showed the rest of the conservative movement how to handle attacks from the left. You know, you, you, you know, you, I don't know. You, you, he could not have handled that any better. Um, he's definitely a great example um, for, for everybody on the right. And I think he's going to have a good career in Congress. I mean, he's a, you know, I, he's a young guy. I think he's in his late 30s still. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely a guy on the rise. And I want to give a shout-out and honorary mention to uh, John James up in Michigan as well. Mm-hmm. He lost his Senate race to Debbie Stabenow, but he came very close. I think it was within five points. Everybody thought he'd lose by 20. Um, he's 37 years old, black guy, captain in the Air Force, you know, combat mm-hmm. pilot. Uh, small business owner. Uh, he's he's going to run again. The other Senate seat in Michigan is up in 2020. He might as well just announce he's running now. <laughs> I think he'd have a really good chance. Absolutely. Definitely keep an eye on John James. Uh, he's definitely somebody to keep uh, your eye on going forward. Definitely. And see, I was trying to decide because here's the thing, and I know I'm going to catch some flack for saying this, but just let me say it, let me get it out, and then we can debate it. So if we're just going to talk about Rookie of the Year in politics, I disagree with none of her policies. I disagree with the fact that she was elected. I don't understand it. But you have to acknowledge the fact that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I know I know it's a faux pas term, but her going from being quite literally a waitress to having a seat in the U.S. Congress, it's just incredible. Uh, I mean, it's, it's literally what this American dream is, is the fact that the government should be representative of the people and whether or not you agree with her policies. And I'm the first one to say that I disagree with nearly all of her policies and nearly all of her stances. And I think some of her uh, statements she makes are quite ignorant. Nevertheless, she comes out and she goes from a waitress to Congress. 
I mean, you, you can't make it more American than that. So that was going to be my pick for rookie of the year, but I just couldn't make myself do it. Dan Crenshaw is a much better pick. So I'm going to go with <laughs> Crenshaw with you. And I was also going to throw Nikki Haley in there, but she's not technically a rookie. You know, I'm a big Nikki Haley fan. She was a two, she was a two term governor. Fan. So, you know, exactly. I know that's why she's not a, a rookie, but like, I want to give all of these awards to Nikki Haley. Cause I just love Nikki Haley. 2024. We're going to have president Nikki Haley. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's actually not a bad bet. I mean, I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's hard to deny what uh, Cortez did this year coming out of nowhere like that. But, yeah. I mean, if you if you support the political ideology that caused the slaughter of uh, 150 million people, the largest genocide in human history, I can't really – I can't give you an award other than dumbass of the year. You know, like I, she would be a candidate for dumbass of the year because if you support slavery and genocide, it's it, – oof, not a good move. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. she definitely – And see, that's like – no, no, you go for it. Oh, no, I mean, she's, you know, I, she'd be a lot like Lamar Jackson, you know, for the evil Baltimore Ravens. You know, like, I hate, I hate the guy, <laughs> well, but, you know, he was successful this year. <laughs> and see, that's the thing is, like, I, I just, I don't agree with her on anything. And I think a lot of her statements and her political ideology is flawed. But I, I just can't deny the fact that she literally went from uh, a, a blue-collar American worker all the way to being a representative of her populace and and representing them in the Congress. I mean, I just, I can't get over that. It's just, it was an incredible feat and I'll give her that. I disagree with her ideology completely like you. So, uh, so evidently stated it's, it's not a smart one, but nevertheless, I think she has done something that we can't overlook if that makes sense. And I just compared the Baltimore Ravens to communism and I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I, many people are going to argue with I you. I stand by except it, except people from Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I stand by. I was like, wow, that's a weird comparison, but I, I stand by it. I'm, I'm not retracting that comment <laughs> at all. Uh, so, uh, how about comeback player of the year? I think we're going to agree on this one as well. Oh, we definitely are. I mean, Lindsey Graham. I mean, where has Lindsey Graham been for the past five, six, seven years? I mean, he's been absolutely nowhere. But then all of a sudden near the end of the Kavanaugh hearings, he just comes out and he says enough is enough. And he loses it and loses it in a very good way in which it's a targeted losing it. And it's a remaining respectful and remaining somewhat cordial losing it. And he basically emphasizes his point. Lindsey Graham came back to life and he's been on a roll since. And I mean, you just, I don't think there's any other candidate that comes close. Right. And yeah, he was always just the most milk toast, moderate, squishy, feckless <laughs> republic. I mean, he was just an, he was an afterthought. He ran for president in 2016, got, you know, I don't know, 1% in Iowa or something. If that, you know, he did horribly. Yeah. He was just an afterthought in Republican politics. And something, a, a switch just flipped in this man's head during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah. He just said, F it. <laughs> and just remembered well, that he's a conservative and said, no, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm going to speak my mind, stand up for what's right. And yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's, he's definitely the right choice for comeback player of the year. I was, I was actually talking about this list uh, with my buddy, Jeremy Frankel from daily wire uh, yesterday. I love Jeremy. And uh, great, great guy. Work. And he pointed out, he was like uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor elect of Florida. He was like, he was down like 15 points in the polls, <laughs> ran a terrible yeah, campaign, that's fair. like ran a bad campaign. Like it was not a great campaign. Mm -hmm. And then somehow won like comfortably. 
You're like, I, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, wow, I didn't even think of comeback of the year in terms of a campaign. But I mean, just statistically yeah. speaking, honorable mention to uh, Ron DeSantis as well. I mean, he was I don't think he led a single poll for six months and then came back and pulled it out nope. on election night. Yeah. And I mean, you, you can't take that away either. But I, I just think Lindsey Graham literally went from what I was having a conversation with my friend. And I was like, before what happened with the, uh, what happened with Kavanaugh happened? What would you think of Lindsey Graham? And I'm still in college. And so. He says, you know, when you sit down in a lecture hall and it's the first class of the year and the professor comes out and he's like, good morning, class. Today we're going to and you're already asleep within the first two minutes. He's like, that's what Lindsey Graham was for the entirety of his career until now. And then he comes out and he's just yelling and he's vibrant and he tells you exactly what he believes and he doesn't tell a party line. It's incredible. Right. I mean, if somebody asked me before this, you know, what do you think of Lindsey Graham? I would just say I don't <laughs> think about Lindsey Graham. He's just not even, you know, on my radar. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, definitely well-deserved comeback player of the year by uh, Lindsey Graham. Definitely. Uh, this is probably my favorite category, victory of the year. What do you got? Mm-hmm. So for victory of the year, I'm giving it to the presumption of innocence, of course, alluding to uh, Brett Kavanaugh making it onto the Supreme Court. Listen, the presumption of innocence needed a victory because if it didn't have a victory, like we mentioned earlier, this our whole judicial system would be going down the tubes right now. We would just be believe in the presumption of guilt and you have to prove yourself innocence. That's not how our judicial system works. That's not how any good judicial system works. That's how the Salem witch trials work. And the presumption of innocence had the the victory of the year by far, and it should have. Absolutely. That's a great choice. Yeah. And and like, like we said with the, uh, about Brett Kavanaugh earlier, this was a tipping point moment, man. <laughs> like we we were, oh, yeah. we were really teetering on the edge here uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to the presumption of, in, of innocence. So I definitely think that's a good that's a good call. I I have to give an honorable mention to myself for winning the No Gimmicks Podcast Fantasy Football League. Uh, decisively, <laughs> it was. It was, w- was it a fantasy league of one? I'm, I'm no, 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 no. There's only six here. of us. I didn't know if anybody would want to oh, do okay. it, but no, we had uh, a a bunch of guests who've been on the show. We had the failing New York Times had a team. Uh, Aaron Bandler had a team. Uh, my friend JJ had a team, and we had a couple uh, just members of the audience who jumped into. I went sixteen and one and won the championship last week. There sixteen and one. And it was miraculous, man. I mean, I lost Kareem Hunt because he had to go beat women. That's not great. I lost Todd Gurley to injury, and, and I still won. I only lost one game. It was actually two. The failing New York Times, like a month ago, and. I thought I'd never hear the end of it. But anyway, your boy won the championship. <laughs> Honorable mention to myself. But my, my victory of the year is kind of a collective award um, going to the intellectual dark mm. web. And that's uh, I think that, that phrase was coined by Eric Weinstein. It's, it's this group of intellectuals and thinkers and podcast hosts and writers, you know, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan, Sam Harris, uh, Weinstein, Dave Rubin, all these guys. And this year... All these guys have huge audiences. They have huge platforms. Millions and millions and millions of people every week, every day, are tuning in and hearing these guys talk through the real issues. And they all disagree on everything. Some of them are leftists. Some of them are moderates like Joe Rogan. Some of them are conservatives like Ben Shapiro. Real conversations about real important things are happening all across the Internet um, due to the intellectual dark web. And it's just a it's a it's a huge victory for free speech, for debate in general, for the war of ideas. I mean, they may have finally put the nail in the coffin to traditional media. I mean, my God, Joe Rogan's podcast gets 15 million downloads an episode. That's like Game of Thrones numbers, right? Like, if you look at the numbers that Jordan Peterson are are putting up, and, you know, he has a a New York Times number one best-selling book, um, which I have right here, actually, 12 Rules for Life, great book. Um, 
just in general, the the IDW has been a huge victory for common sense and reason and logic and debate and conversation and the free flow of ideas. And we're all better for it. And in some small way, I mean, obviously, you and I don't have nearly the, the platform that they get, these guys have. But in some small way, I think that mm-hmm. we're contributing to that in our own weird, dysfunctional way. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, dysfunctional being the key word there. Oh, yeah. oh, Absolutely. Yeah. But the, 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 uh, the thing that I'm seeing as we're going through this, you know, you want to talk about Lindsey Graham. You want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. You want to talk about the IDW. The trend that I'm seeing in the people that had the biggest victories of this year was kind of this snap. This moment where, you know, we've been pushed by the progressive left further and further and further down the spectrum where it's saying, you know, this is politically correct. This has to happen. And finally, it's a snap. And you just say, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And and that's like that's why it's caught. It's got me a lot of flack. But that's something that has uh, kind of propelled me into a public conversation is um, and I'm, again, getting a lot of flack for this is the whole argument about is what constitutes a man in a woman. And I saw somebody that would, you know, it's, they're saying that a, I saw a tweet actually, and it said a transgender woman is a woman. And if you're a straight male and do not find them attractive, (laughs) then you're homophobic. And I kind of snapped and I was like, no, it's like, I understand in private, you know, it's your, it's your body, your life identify as you want. But in public, if you're going to ask me to use pronouns, if you're going to compel my speech, just like Jordan Peterson said, that's a no. And on the second side, males, heterosexual males are biologically attracted to biological females. I mean, it's just basic biology. And so I'm tired. And I think a lot of these people on this list, Brett Kavanaugh, um, you you keep going down the list, Brett Kavanaugh, Lindsey Graham, uh, the IDW, they're just tired of it. And that's like, I think that could be Joe Rogan's phrase of the year is what? Or I'm tired, you know, because he just, he, he talks about the stuff that nobody wants to talk about and people are starving for this type of conversation. Right. And we're living in the era of, of censorship, man. I want to, you know, starting with mm-hmm. the tech companies. I mean, they're, they're kicking people oh, yeah. off their platforms whenever they want. Um, you look at even companies like Patreon, you know, deplatforming people. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the intellectual dark web is to not censor anything. You know, like they yep. it's having these uncensored, unedited conversations about things that actually matter to people. And in the era where traditional mm-hmm. media and, and the tech companies are trying to censor, you know, especially conservatives, let's be honest, you know, these these group oh, yeah. of guys are pushing back on that hardcore, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, it, we're all better off. The conversation as a whole, not even just in the world of politics, just in our culture in general mm-hmm. is way better off because of these guys. So I definitely think the IDW, and I hate it when, you know, like, you know, Time Magazine, they'll do like a collective group of people for like yeah. person of the year or whatever. But I got to do it. IDW, that's my victory oh, yeah. of the year. How about defeat of the year? Let's let's get dark. Uh, so defeat of the year. I had a couple of these in. You know, there were there were a couple of ones where I thought, you know, this could definitely go this way. But for the defeat of the year, I'm definitely going to have to go with Elizabeth Warren's Native American ancestry. <laughs> I mean, one one thousand twenty fourth, and even then, it's not actually a Native American that was used in the sample they pulled. It was somebody from a South American country, if I remember correctly. Right. And you're sitting there going, and you. You, you're saying she's Native American, quote, because of high cheekbones. That definitely took the L of the year, was Elizabeth Warren. That's, that is a that is a, a great call. It's really tough to argue with that. Um, my defeat of the year, I have to go to the wall. I, I have to go to the wall. Uh, yeah. I mean, President Trump had a unified Republican government for mm. a whole mm. year, or, you know, two years now, just about. And he's not yeah. even began construction on the wall. Um, 
in 2016 during the campaign, the wall was not a big issue for me. It's not really something that I cared about. Um, I even thought it's probably it would probably be a waste of money. Like maybe e-verify stuff like that would be a better option. I've actually come around on that and said, look, just build the damn wall. Why not? <laughs> you know, just to troll yeah. the left if for no other reason. But it that is a big defeat. And obviously we're in the middle of a government shutdown right now, which is uh, my favorite time of year actually. That means we don't have to pay taxes, right? But anyway, um, <laughs> we're, we're in a, I'm pretty sure that's what that we're means. We're in a government shutdown because of the Democrats' refusal to fund a border wall. So who knows? It might get built. It might not. But it's hard to look back at 2018 and and say anything other than that is a huge defeat for the GOP and for President Trump. You had unified Republican government for a full year, and you did not get the wall funded. If he doesn't end up getting the wall built, if some some semblance of a wall, build a doghouse on the southern border, would it pop a tent to some kind of structure that's visible on the southern border? He doesn't need to build a 3,000-mile wall. Build a 300-foot wall. He has to get something built. Or that yeah. would be like the worst broken campaign promise, at least since read my lips, no new taxes. <laughs> so I do want to get past, you know, all the talking points. And I want to have this conversation because I think this is a good conversation, especially for now. And I think there's no better time to have it going into the new year where we're going to have um, these new congressional seats coming in and things of that nature. What why do you think he wasn't able to accomplish this wall? And let's get past the talking points and all that, like realistically. Why do you think the wall hasn't been started, the wall hasn't been funded? I don't know. I mean, I think congressional Republicans, they just don't want to have the fight. You know, they don't want to. They kept yeah. kicking the can down the road. They kept punting on this issue. And then they're like, wow, uh, well, the Democrats won the House, so we're kind of out of time, which is why uh, mm-hmm. President Trump has said, no, I'm, I'm, I am willing to die on this hill. I'll shut down the government over this because what are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to get it you know, with Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House, it's now or never. Oh, no. And I think they just, they kicked the can down the road, hoping that they would keep both houses of Congress. That didn't happen. And I don't know. They mm-hmm. just, I, what do you think? I just think they squandered opportunity after opportunity. I, I don't know if there's really much more to it. Well, that's, and that's what, what I was thinking a little bit, and I also think, and you know, this is evident by some statements, but I think there's also some personal sentiment that isn't being expressed uh, by the GOP elect is a lot of people in the GOP don't support the wall. And when I say that, I mean the representatives in government. A lot of the people do. I mean, look at the GoFundMe that was started uh, here recently that Ridic- who knows Ridic- what it's at. I think last time I checked it was a, it's at like it was at 7 million or something like that last time I checked. But now so the people are in support of the wall, but the people elected to represent those people aren't. Which has me sitting there going, you're supposed to represent your district, you know, I don't care what your personal feelings are. Your personal feelings are supposed to line up with that of the people you represent. And to me, it just seems like that a lot of these people, a lot of what President Trump would call the swamp that we send to Congress, conservative and uh, and Democrat, don't support the wall, which is kind of shocking to me because with how many people voted for President Trump and how largely we had, you know, that that stronghold that we had in both houses of Congress, it was just shocking shocking, honestly, that we don't have a wall and we don't have funding for a wall because it just doesn't seem like there's that support there. It, it doesn't make sense either. And you're absolutely right that I, I believe support for the, the border wall is 54 uh, percent, um, which is mm-hmm. which is I mean, it's hard to get 54 percent of Americans to agree on anything. Um, that means there's a lot yeah. of Democrats that support the wall, too, and a heck of a lot of independents. Um, and obviously, yeah. just Donald Trump being elected president 
is a mandate to build a wall. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was yeah. that was his thing. Build the wall, build the wall. And he got elected president on the wall. And, you know, it is strange, too, because the president's only asking for five billion dollars for border security. I mean, we're giving Mexico yeah. five billion dollars in foreign aid next year. You know yeah. what I mean? We spend two oh, yeah. trillion dollars, two trillion dollars a year on entitlements, two trillion. So they yeah. can't find five billion when you're spending mm-hmm. two two trillion on entitlements. It's it's really not in the grand scheme of things very much money at all. It's it's very strange. I mean, it's it's really no. weird that even the GOP is reluctant just to give Trump a win here. Um, I don't get it. But, yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's any one person's fault, but it's hard to look back at 2018 and not view the wall as a huge defeat. All right, the granddaddy of them all, dumbass. Oh, here we go. Dumbass of the year. You know me. I could not, uh, you know, have a list without something like this on it. Who is your dumbass of 2018? Uh, you're you're starting this off. This is your category. You're starting this off. It's not all me. All right, dumbass of the year has to be Liz Warren. It's got to be for me. <laughs> it's got to be. And before we get into why, uh, I, for any of you guys that missed it, uh, Christmas came way early, like you know, three three hundred and fifty something days early this morning when. Uh, the first thing I saw when I opened up Twitter this morning, I was still laying in bed, that Elizabeth Warren, the leftist senator from uh, the great state of Massachusetts, is running for president in 2020. So that is just a gift from God. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but well, one, before we dive into it, Liz Warren's running for president. She's really gone off the reservation this time, hasn't she? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this. Like there were a lot of things that happened this year that that had me frazzled. Like there were a lot of things that had me at a loss for words, but Elizabeth Warren, after just the abysmal year she's had, she didn't just shoot herself in the foot. It's like she took a nuclear bomb to her foot, but yet (laughs) she's still trying to run for president. It just is absolutely mind boggling. Yeah. Like you said on Twitter, I think she has about a one out of 1024th chance. Uh, of becoming president. Yeah, that's what I said. States. She gets one out of a 1,024th chance, or she gets a one 1,024th of my right. vote. That's what right. I said. <laughs> right. I, I saw John Podhoritz said, uh, you know, hey, she could win, you know, 23 and me states in the Democratic primary. <laughs> it's a pretty good <laughs> I mean, so many jokes. I mean, it's such low-hanging fruit, but she earned it. For anybody that was living yeah. in a cave or something for the last year, Elizabeth Warren has always claimed to be a Native American. She lied about being a native american to get a job at harvard Mm -hmm. um and trump has been making fun of her for years calling her pocahontas which isn't really the joke trump doesn't get the joke it's focahontas i wish he would get it right but but anyway so she takes a dna test trump trolls her i don't know how he he lives rent free in these people's heads by the way i mean he gets his opponents to do just to make these unforced errors that they don't have to make, they, but they walk right into it. It's like Sideshow Bob, like, stepping on all the rakes, you know? But so Trump yeah. trolls Liz Warren into taking <laughs> a DNA test, and it comes back that she's one 1,024th Native American. And then, and then it got better. And then she publicized it and said, see, this means I am Native American. <laughs> it's just incredible stuff. It's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. When you're, but how on earth? This is just my one question, and nobody's really addressed this. They've all talked about, you know, the results of the test, all that stuff. How, when she got those results back, and they said 
episode one one thousand twenty fourth after she claimed enough to have it be relevant for a job application, like it was relevant enough to call herself, you know, Harvard's Native American professor, yada yada yada. How on earth did she go? Yeah, let's publish oh, yeah. those. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what was going through her head at that I point? Know. I mean, I just don't think she has any friends. I mean, she just doesn't have. Yeah. Friends. I mean, like, look, if that's why it's important to have friends, because you're like, hey, should I do this? Mm-hmm. And then your friend's like, dude, no. Yeah. Like, that's a very bad idea. Like, don't do that. I mean, like, if, if you called me, you're yeah. like, dude, Brady, I just got this really ridiculous report back on my DNA test. Should I publicize this and, and make a fool of myself? I'd be like, no, Baylor. Like, no, that's not smart. Like, <laughs> you probably should not do that. I just don't think she has good friends. You know, they're just like, yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the state of modern leftism, right? It's an echo chamber where everything we do is great and everything the right does is bad and we can do no wrong. So, I mean, keep doing it, please. It just makes the left look absolutely <laughs> ignorant. Right. So, uh, who is Liz Warren's counterpart, your dumbass of the year? So, so I'm not, so I'm going to go with uh, loss of the year here, right? Like, I, I won't go as far as that term, uh, but <laughs> I'll go kind of moron idiot of the year. I'm going to have to go with Spartacus. It's, it's a solid, that's a solid like, choice. Like, come on. It's a solid choice. I mean, coming out in the Kavanaugh hearings and in other hearings and crying and, and coming out and saying, this is my Spartacus moment when the documents had already been declassified or whatever. I can't remember the stipulation behind it. I just remembered he wasn't supposed to share them. Uh, he said, but they had already been approved to be shared. And so this was his, you know, coming out this his iron moment. And it was just, it was awful. But I mean, isn't that what summarizes Cory Booker in one word? Awful. It, it's just pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. And he thinks he's going to run for president. Can you imagine this primary? Hillary Clinton, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, and who else are we going to throw in there? Sideshow Bob? Like, what, what what's going on at this Bobby point? Bobby Franks, Beto O'Rourke. Oh. Oof. Hit and run. On Beto, oh, yeah. we're we're really gonna put him yeah. in there, and people are saying Beto O'Rourke is the next. Uh, what do they say? He's the next Abraham Lincoln, right? He lost his election, and now he's gonna come in and he's gonna win the presidency. No, I he's mean, not. No, he he's didn't not. Even, not. He didn't chance. even mention the fact that Cory Booker clearly does not know the story of Spartacus. <laughs> like that's a. Like, <laughs> no, that doesn't even make no. sense. Like one, Spartacus dies. Like one. So yeah. two, mm-hmm. like. It, this, this is my, he said this is my Spartacus moment. I'm saying no, like the whole point was like other people were standing up and saying I am Spartacus, so they didn't figure out who the actual Spartacus was, and Spartacus dies at the end anyway, and he wasn't doing anything illegal. I mean that's like going up to a cop and like saying hey I was speeding, give me a ticket, and the cop was like no you're actually going 13 miles an hour. Like no no, no I was going 100. It's it's so weird, like such an odd man, like Trump it's. Honest to God, I think this all goes back to the president of the United States. These people cannot handle yeah. Trump. They they hate Trump so, so much that they keep beclowning themselves. Like, they can't help it. Like, they, they can't. Ugh, Liz Warren, Cory Booker, these errors are so unforced, and they're probably these two. Like, those two might be the favorites to win the Democratic nomination if they hadn't been dumbasses of the year in 2018. But they're so stupid well, that they've see, taken themselves out of – like, I would be shocked. I would be absolutely yeah. shocked if either one of them wins one one primary. No, yeah. No, I agree entirely. And here's the thing is that, you know, I don't even take it back to the president of the United States. If you ask me what I think is being done, I think that the leftists in America – not liberals, but leftists – are actually a comedy show that's being written by the never-funny Trevor Noah. 
And I think that's just what we're seeing right now is we're just sitting there going, what are, are they serious? Is, is this actually what's going on at this point? It seems like just a really bad parody at this point. Right. right. And, and there's, there's a plenty of other, you know, great candidates for dumbass of the year as well. I mean, it's, I, I mean, we are talking about oh, yeah. the world of politics <laughs> on a bipartisan, <laughs> yes, on a bi- as well. yes, on a bipartisan <laughs> spectrum. You know, we, we are, you know, in the world of politics here uh, after all. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, I, I think uh, we both had some pretty great lists. So we'll, we'll recap. I do we'll, too. We'll recap just for the audience. Uh, okay. So our, our man and woman of the year, Brett Kavanaugh, Nikki Haley, I think they're both great choices. Um, rookie of the year, Dan yep. Crenshaw. And uh, wait, who was, who was yours? I went with Crenshaw, oh, Crenshaw too. I agree oh, yeah. with you. And then honorable mention to the execrable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we agreed. Comeback player of the year, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey 2.0. Um, that was a lot of fun. Victory of the year, intellectual dark web, and the presumption of innocence. Two great choices there. Yep. Defeat of the year, the wall, and Elizabeth Warren's career, <laughs> I guess. And Native American yeah. ancestry, all of the above. <laughs> oh my gosh, what was ever left of, of this woman's brain, I guess, was defeated this year. And dumbass of the year, uh, <laughs> Liz Warren. And uh, wow, wait, what was your? Oh no, what, what was your dumbass of the year? We we just talked about it. Uh, Sp- oh, Spartacus, Spartacus, that's right. Cory Booker, Liz Warren. Man, I, I, you can't really argue with any of those choices. You can't you can't argue with it. No, I think they're all solid. I really think they're it's all solid. It's been a good year, man. It's been a good year. It's been a fun year in the world of politics. Uh, stressful at times, but uh, I've enjoyed uh, <sighs> covering every last minute of it. I mean, I have as well. It's just been it's been an amazing year. But here's my one question for you, because I know you got to get up on out of here. I know we're going to be wrapping this thing up soon, but I'm curious. What do you think the writers of America for 2019 will do? Because this season has just been insane. I don't know what next season's going to hold. Trump season three, man. <laughs> yeah, Trump season three. What do you think that's going to hold? Oh man. Do you think Robert? Okay, here's the real question. Do you think the Mueller investigation will actually ever end, or are we just going to keep that going until Robert Mueller kicks the bucket? Like, what what's going to happen? No, I don't there? think it'll ever end. I mean, they'll be they'll be in. Invi- I think we got Robert Mueller. They'll they'll investigate Trump. Well, here's my question: Is how old how old is Bob Mueller? Just real quick. In his 70s. You know? Yeah. In his 70s. So he's got, you know, 30 at tops, 40 more years. So I think this investigation is going to go for another 30 to 40 years if we're I mean, being honest about it. I think the Democrats will investigate Trump for about, you know, at least 150 years after he's dead. So <laughs> I, I really don't think it's going to stop. I mean, I, uh, you know, yeah. it, yeah, the writers have a lot of work on their hands for, for Trump season three, uh, you know, 2019. You know, know, on election night in November, I saw my friend uh, Jerry Dunleavy on Twitter, who's a a very entertaining Mm -hmm. guy on Twitter. You know, the the, uh, the, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia memes. Oh, it says the gang and then whatever. The gang experiences divided government. So that that will be interesting. Mm -hmm. That'll be interesting in 2019, how both sides handle that. Uh, My guess would be not well. (laughs) <laughs> from either, no, from either it's side just gonna be it's gonna be a couple more years of just absolute incompetence nothing's gonna get done but hey do we expect more from the federal government absolutely really? not no i mean if you thought congress was a shit show in, in 2018 we just wait for season three ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's gonna get worse it only gets worse from here um yeah i don't know like i don't really have any big predictions per se yeah. um it's gonna obviously the the presidential elections already started I mean, there's a lot of experts mm-hmm. predicting that over 30 Democrats will run for president. I mean, we thought we th- it was nuts. Just Far fine. too many Republicans yeah. ran. There were 17 Republicans that ran in 16. Mm-hmm. They might double that. Yeah. 
the Democrats might legitimately double that number. That will be interesting. And there are they are going to be attacking and tearing each other down, eating their own. It's going to be great to watch. Let them do it. It'll be great. But here's the here's the real question is, and you know, I keep saying that. You know, every time I say here's the real question, I come up with another question in my head. So I guess you know, here are the questions I have. Who's going to run against Donald Trump? Because, look, you can say what you want about the president's rhetoric, the president's tweeting, some of his attitudes and some of his morals. You can question where they are. And I get that. You know, some of those some of those questionings of those principles are founded. But he's done really good stuff for the economy. He's done some good stuff, foreign policy. He's done some bad stuff in foreign policy. But nevertheless, he's he's done good things for America. My question is, is there any Republican that would really be a threat to him because I just see him breezing through the, uh, the Republican nominee. No, I mean, nobody, there's nobody. I mean, the only people that have expressed interest would be like John Kasich or Jeff Flake. Neither one of them, yeah. neither one of them could get elected dog catcher in their own state right now. So it's not, I, I, yeah, no, I mean, it's not, I, I don't see any credible Republican challenge. And, uh, which is good. I mean, it's, I think it's, Jeff Flake running for president would be oh hilarious. Gosh. I'd love to. As if he yeah. hasn't been embarrassed enough. I mean, it's no. I mean, it's, yeah. those guys. I mean, look, they're they're both idiots. They've both been huge disappointments. But these aren't stupid people. Like these are like, if if you're a governor yeah. or a senator, you're in the big. You're in the show. You're you're in the major leagues, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't get elected governor yeah. of Ohio or or senator from Arizona if you're an idiot. They know the polling data. They know they're not. I, I I'd be surprised right. if either, either one of them even ran. I just don't think that. Yeah, I mean, as, as crazy as they are, they're not. These are not stupid men. Like these are wealthy, successful <laughs> individuals. You know, so I, I just don't. There's no way they're so drunk on power that they actually think they could get it done. There's no way. I just don't. I mean, I don't. Never say never, but I, I doubt either one of them even does. So here's the real. Oh, I keep saying it. I guess that's just my catchphrase. That's going to be my catchphrase for 2019. So here's the real question. <laughs> so, Mattis running for president. No. You think no, it could no, happen? No. 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 Why? He's not he's not a political actor. Come on, man. I'm just going to be a conspiracy no, theorist no, no. here. I'm just going to plant the no. seed. I think Mattis could potentially give Trump a run for but his money. Won't. I think he could he could get a lot of the middle America voters that uh, Trump has gotten. But he won't. Mattis won't do that. He's, he's a military man. We said Donald Trump. Yeah, wasn't but right. Trump has been flirting with the world of politics since the 70s, the late 70s. Mattis is That's just fair. a military yeah. man. I mean, he's that's literally he's that's never fair. been married. He has no children. He's never had a job outside of the military. Like he's literally his entire life has been in yeah. the Marine Corps. So he's not a political actor. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if he understands the world of politics very well. Like he would. No, there's there's no way. I mean, could he give Trump a run for his money? Yeah. Probably because he went over a lot of Democrats and independents as well. But no, there's just no way. I, yeah. I highly doubt you'd see somebody like that or like, a you know, another general that's been. Uh, critical of Trump, like McChrystal or something like that. No, like I, I don't see these military types. Yeah. I, I mean, it hasn't happened since Eisenhower. You know what I mean? It's just not. Exactly. It's, yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, never say never, man. Season three, yeah. season three could be crazy. I mean, I don't know what the writers have up their sleeves, but I highly doubt. I, I highly <laughs> doubt it. Well, that's what, that's what it's like. I, I always am quick to say, you know, no, nah, that would never happen. But then if you told me. A couple of years ago, you said, you know, the guy that runs Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. The guy that says you're fired a lot. Yeah. He's going to be president. I would have been like, no, he's not. But 
he's come and he's done some good things for the country. So, you know, I'm, I'm a never say never. I mean, never say never. I got a question for you. Just the state of the mainstream media. We've seen the deterioration of the mainstream media over the last, I mean, really 20 years plus, but especially Mm -hmm. in 2018, man. I mean, like it's just, if you look at, I mean, look at the New York times, look at CNN, MSNBC, they're literally just filled with anti-Semites, racists, communists, Mm-hmm. Holocaust deniers. Yeah. I mean, just literally, just the worst of the worst. I, yeah. I'm thinking the mainstream media might just be gone by the end of 2019. I'd like they might literally just crash and burn. Some of these big media conglomerates might start just filing for bankruptcy. And it's really interesting too, talking about Trump. All they have to do, all the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN, all they have to do if they want to like get Trump is be honest. Like you know, just like because. Yeah. Trump is not an ideologue. He's not a hardliner on anything. He's kind of all over the place. I mean, he's yeah. just, he's literally all. Except, except the, wall. the wall. Yeah, he's hardline on the wall. But he's all yeah. over the place. And, like, there's something to love about Trump for anyone. Like, if you're a conservative, you like the tax yeah. cuts. You like the, the Supreme Court justices and the judicial picks. If, you, if you're a socialist Bernie Sanders type, then you like the trade war. You like the tariffs. You like the protectionism. That's li- like, the tariffs, mm. the trade war, Bernie Sanders has been preaching that shit since the 70s. That's his playbook. Yep. But they don't like the people on the yep. left that love that won't give Trump any credit for it. You know what I mean? So it's like and he can. So, yeah, I mean, if yeah. if, if, uh, you're uh, a, if you're a Ron Paul isolationist, you like bringing the troops out of Syria and Afghanistan. Or I mean, I, I like that move, too, and I'm not an isolationist. But and then if you're a Warhawk kind of Lindsey Graham guy, then you like that he's increased the troop presence in Iraq and we're still bombing Somalia and Yemen and all these places. too. So it's like literally on both sides of the spectrum. There's something to like. Yeah. If the media wants to be taken seriously, just praise Trump when he does something you agree with, and then you will actually have some credibility when you blast him for things you don't like. But mm-hmm. since they refuse to give him credit for anything, they have absolutely no credibility at all. That's not going to change in season three of Trump, and they're going to continue their decline into just irrelevancy. That... No, I totally agree, and it's really interesting because um, – and this is something we can talk about a little more – if you want. But I brought up, um, I was doing my senior thesis on uh, the progression of advertising spending. Because as you know, as somebody who's in media, independent media yourself, you know how um, how media runs. And so for people that don't know how media runs, basically media is funded almost entirely from two separate platforms. It's funded by donors and it's it's funded by advertisers and advertising makes up a lot of what the media is uh, comprised of. And so, you know, if you lose your advertisers, then you you lose your show. If you lose your advertise too many advertisers, you lose your network. It just it stands like that. You know, donors alone, it would be very hard for donors alone to keep a media company going. Right. So if we look at the progression of advertising spending, because that's what I wrote my senior thesis on, because um, I'm graduating college uh, at the end of this year, I wrote my senior thesis on the evolution of advertising spending. And I wanted to look and see what was happening because I see all these people advertising on all the podcasts we all watch, you know, the Shapiros, the Joe Rogans, all all that. I wanted to see what the evolution of advertising spending was. And if you look, the numbers like we I followed the evolution from radio to television. And you could see or I, I'm sorry, from print to television because print and radio were kind of at the same time. But from print to television, print started dropping, television started rising, and it's continued that way until around 2010. Right. And in 2010 uh, was when we started having a lot of these social media companies become big. And all of a sudden you had this new platform, which was digital advertising that started coming in. And so now we are at a state where print is on the decline, statistically. Um, The percentage of dollars being spent on print advertising is declining. Television is 
It's still growing, but it's at a rate where the growth rate has stagnated. The growth rate is the same. So they're technically, it's, that's just accounting for inflation almost. They're not getting much new advertising spending. And by the year 2020, um, digital advertising is expected to overtake television advertising for 50 over 50% that's of the market. Crazy. Crazy. So digital advertising is consistently trending up. Um, and I think that eventually we are going to see uh, television advertising go in the negative. And when we see that, mainstream media as we know it is gone. So maybe not in 2019, 2020, you're going to see a huge shift. And that shift is already starting. So if you like a platform, support it now because the things that are supported now will be the things that are the new Fox News, CNN, MSNBC in the coming years. Right, and hey, all your advertisers out there that are sick of uh, the mainstream media, hey, holler at your boy. You know, hey, yeah. man, how about you evolve <laughs> that advertising budget right into my bank account, man? You know, I, hey, I my, my phone is always yeah. on. You know, give me a call. Yeah, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me, exactly. man. Like, in a year or two, Fox News is only advertisers, the dude with the mustache and the pillow, and then, I don't know, CNN's... <laughs> CN My pillow, CNN yeah. sponsored exclusively by, I don't know, a construction company that exclusively builds transgender bathrooms or some shit. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like some kind of leftist. I, I don't know. What, whatever it is. Oh, gosh. Please tell me that's a I, real company. Please. If not, oh, it should be. <laughs> but I mean, I got to go. I got to edit the show and get it up for, so all the good people uh, hear our uh, awesome list of people of the year. Uh, where can everybody follow you online oh, and keep yeah. in touch and all that good stuff? And uh, by the way, congrats on uh, graduating college later this year, man. Thank you so much. So, so I got to pass all the classes, yeah. so we'll see if that happens. I'll come back on and then you can congratulate <laughs> me then. But uh, nevertheless, you can follow me on all social platforms at J underscore Baylor Cook or on any social media platform. Just type in Baylor Cook. I'm the first name that pops up. Give me a follow, comment. I love all the engagement, love talking to people. And got a new podcast coming up, which Brady's going to have to come on on immediately as soon as Heck we get yeah, that up and running. Can't wait, dude. Looking forward to it. Everybody be on a lookout for uh, Baylor's new show. Follow him on Twitter. He's great. Uh, that's all I got for today. That's all I got for 2018. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. <laughs>